Brothers and sisters, friends and comrades, this is the PRC Show. I am your host, Paul Cooley, and thank you for listening. It is October still. I know I haven't done a show in a while, but that's how it is. The current temperature is 49 degrees in Harrisburg, PA, and it is clear. I'm recording this in the evening here. I wanted to get a show in before the end of October. Um, And here's God's honest truth. I've been a little bit busy. I am no longer on FMLA. I'm back to work. How you guys doing? I'm doing pretty well. I mean, uh, having some sleep deprivation, but not too bad. You know, we got the eight-month-old, so now he uh, has what they call uh, separation anxiety. Sometimes wakes up in the middle of the night. Wait, not sometimes. He wakes up in the middle of the night, and he's uh, scared. He's afraid. What's going on? I'm by myself. What's happening? It's cold in here. So you got to go in there. You got to be like, hey, it's okay. You're doing all right. I got to go to work tomorrow. Just, uh, do you want a glass of water? And it's, he's not going to drink glass of water. So you hug him and all that stuff. And he just wants to be hugged, just like his dad. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But he's doing okay for the most part. So I'm off FMLA. And it was a good time. It was a good experience. Uh, I had uh, three months. That's what the Congress gave me whatever that was, 1994, 96, I forget. So you get three months of unpaid leave or 12 weeks. And with the babe, it was month five, six, and seven. The first month was awesome because you couldn't move or whatever. You just put him in a little chair. You could read a book, drink some coffee, just look at him. He's cute and all that stuff. Then he starts to move around a little bit. So you got to adjust your routine. Then by the end, it was like, you know what? I'm ready to go back. I am ready to go. No. <laughs> um, working is, uh, how do people live and work? I mean, after those three months off, it was like, I do all this stuff. I cook, I clean, I take care of the baby, and I don't work. But I'm working, you know, because you got to spend. Anyways, enough of that. Um, let me, well, I'll touch upon that a little bit, but later. I want to talk about Bernie Sanders um, and why... It's great that he's running, why I support him, and I was thinking about what I would say, but an old friend posted something on Facebook, and I want to just read it, because I think it's hits the nail right on the head, the difference between Clinton and Sanders. So, there is a fundamental difference between Clinton and Sanders that was illuminated in the most recent debate. It has very little to do with their policy proposals or positions on the issues, especially because Clinton's ideas have changed so much just in the past few weeks and are guaranteed to change again when circumstances change. Rather, the big difference was on the question of how we make change in favor of the issues that actually matter to the people. Sanders says that the only way to do this is by mobilizing millions of people. Mobilizing millions of people. Clinton's line is that she is a progressive who likes to actually get things done. Yeah, Clinton's line is seductive because most people want to believe they can vote for someone competent with experience who knows how to get things done for them. Amusingly enough, and as an issue of fundamental philosophy, it is the one thing on which Clinton has been consistent throughout her life. It is also, to put it bluntly, historically ignorant bullshit. Sorry for the swearing. 
Think back to the time in the 2008 race when she made the claim that it was LBJ who passed the Civil Rights and Voting Rights Acts, as if the pressure from the movement in the streets were not the real reason that any of those things were possible in the first place. The entire historical record vindicates Sanders' position on this, perfectly without exception. Putting faith in politicians who tinker around the edges of the system to make the best of a bad situation by getting something done for the people is how the good guys end up losing ground every time. I'm going to repeat that last line for everyone. Putting faith in politicians who tinker around the edges of the system to make the best of a bad situation by getting something done for the people is how the good guys end up losing ground every time. Our side, the people's side, wins when the people are mobilized and organized in their millions to demand real change. And then politicians have to respond to that. The fact that Clinton's own positions have changed recently is a prime example of this. All this said, most people do not understand that this is how change is made. Then we go into the voting booth to protect and consolidate what we've already won through the other means of creating mass pressure and that we have to stay organized and mobilized between elections and not only trust politicians' promises. It's the harder path to take, but also the only one that has ever worked. Whether this view of the world can mobilize enough people to win this, to win election this year, I don't know. Uh, unlikely, but who knows. But enough people are attracted to it at least. That presents an organizing opportunity, so I am less interested in the horse race commentary on this, as am I, in which we all act like spectators than I am in the idea that we could all jump in and not only affect the outcome of the election, but the politi political direction of the entire country and the world. Excellent, excellent, excellent piece there by uh, an old friend, uh, John Losney, who lives in Bloomington, Indiana, I believe, and is doing some great Bernie Sanders work. Uh, I wish I could be doing more. I'm not really doing much of anything. So uh, I'm going to talk more about Sanders later in another episode if I... I have a goal of doing that at least. Um, so I'm sitting here in my apartment, house, whatever, in uh, Harrisburg, PA, and I'd like to be in Philly celebrating my friend Anthony's birthday with uh, Anthony and my friend Josh, who both have been on the show. And I have my guitar here. So I'm just kind of sitting here alone. Actually, my wife and babes are in the other room, but can you hear the guitar? Yeah, so I've been playing a little more guitar lately. My little amp broke. Well, something's wrong with it, so I have to bring my big half stack up. I've got a half stack. You probably can imagine one of these things. They're like the size of uh, um, a dishwasher or washing machine. They're like what professional rock stars have. I um, irrationally bought one when I was 16 for my metal band because we had to be really loud. And when I paid for it, I looked like a drug dealer because I <laughs> I paid for it with like all my, what did I do for a living at the time? My job when I was 16, I might've been 17. I was a pizza delivery boy. I also worked at a grocery store and then I caddied in the summer. I had a million jobs. So um, anyways, I paid, this was like a thousand dollars. Yeah, so I'm not getting rid of this thing. This is 15 years old, but. Sounds pretty good though, right? You want me to play for a second? Hold on. 
Sounds pretty good. You know, um, I've been playing around with my digital delay pedal. I'll play with that later. Okay, what else did I want to talk about? Um, I'm not trying to rush. I just got to go to work tomorrow. I wanted to get this show in before the end of October, else it just would have been... I know the fans have been clamoring for an episode. Let's get back to... Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the babe for a second and the sleep problems. But I am going to play a song later by a guy. The guy that made this song, wrote the song, you all know, but you've never heard this version. Actually, Josh may have. But none of you have heard this version of this song. It's performed by a untypical musician. Um, it's a rock song, and it's awesome. I've been listening to it a lot lately. Uh, and it's just a little teaser here, but it's really great. I want you to actively listen to this song all the way through um, and just give yourself over to the song. But that, that'll be coming up. Okay, so... Yeah, we were having some real sleep issues the other, uh, you know, the babe used to be a great sleeper. And uh, then when he had this recognition that he existed in the world, and he um, was a being and not just like a single cell organism amoeba, you know, he got frustrated because he'd wake up again and he'd be sad or, you know, I'm by myself, what's going on? Before... He didn't even know he existed. Now he has some, uh, I think, self-awareness. So, you know, there's two philosophies on the sleep sleeping for a little infant. It's like sleep training is you let the babe cry it out. You have a couple bad nights where you just go in, the babe's crying, you pat him on the back in the crib, you know. You don't really pick him up. It's okay, you're going to be fine. Then you leave. They go back to sleep. Oh, they wake up again. You just go in. You don't even pat. Hey, it's going to be fine. You're okay. Everyone loves you. Blah, blah, blah. You just let him cry. You know, and maybe he cries five minutes. Maybe then he cries 15 minutes. You don't want to really pick him up because that like, that's like kicking the ladder away from him or something. But here's the problem with this little guy is that he holds on. He stands up in the crib, holds on to the crib, and he just starts screaming. He doesn't, you can't just pat him on the back because he's up wide awake. Then when you pick him up and you look into his eyes, it's like he's looking right through you as he screams at the top of his lungs. So, this was a big shock and change for us because he was sleeping basically through the night, maybe one or two times he'd drink a little milk, but it wasn't a big deal. So I'm like, you know what, we're going to do some sleep training. I'm going to put bring my sleeping bag in there. I'm going to be in there all night. I'll fix this. Okay. So... He wakes up at 10.05. No, he goes down at 10.05. He wakes up at 10.50. I'm like, okay, buddy, you're okay. He goes back to sleep. Then he wakes up at 11.57. Takes me like five minutes. He's screaming. I actually pick him up and like rock him, which is, you're not supposed to do that, but got him to sleep. That was 11.57. So from basically midnight to one, he wakes up again. And oh, brother, we're in for it. One o'clock, I get him to go to sleep, but then five minutes later, 109, he wakes up. Takes me about 10 minutes, I had to pick him up. He was just screaming nonstop. And I got neighbors, I live in like a row house, I don't want to keep everybody up. So, I get him to sleep at 1.15. Then at 1.54, this guy wakes up. Yeah, you know, screams for 30 minutes, 
very difficult, up and down. He's just screaming. He looks right at you, just like, please, I want to be hugged. Hug me. And I'm like, no. Oh, God. Now, you know, where I record this podcast is where he sleeps. So now you hear the sleepy sheep right now. He's in the room. Okay. So, okay, I got to be quiet. So let me get in close to the mic. So then he wakes up at 3.06. Takes me 10 minutes to get him to sleep. Then he wakes up. Then I get about two hours. Then he wakes up at 5.36. Again, another 20 minutes to get this SOB down. Then he wakes up at 6, 6.20. Okay, takes me 15 minutes to get him back to sleep. Then at 7.13, he wakes up. I carry my child to my wife, and I say, I'm done. And I basically collapse into the bed. Now, this entire time, I've been sleeping on the floor in the uh, next next to his crib in the different room, which is also where we record the podcast. So, um, so that was unfun. And I recommend uh, not doing that method. So we have a different strategy. Maybe I'll talk about it another time. But basically it's... He starts in the crib. Then we pick him up. We try to get him to go to sleep. Then he'll sleep in our bed. Which is a big don't do that. But he's eight months old. So he's a little more safe. But still it's a bad idea. Um, Alright. Do you guys want to hear that song now? Alright. I'm not even going to tell you who this song is. It's a, uh, you're going to recognize it. You should recognize it if you liked modern rock. Modern rock. Uh, alternative in the 90s. So we'll play the song, then we're going to talk a little bit about it afterwards.
Okay, um, my son just woke up, so maybe he'll start crying and you'll hear that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, buddy. Maybe I'll, I'll try to play some guitar. And... <laughs> I'll put the digital delay on. We'll see if he likes that. actually woke up wife um on his own i was i actually took a pause from the show but he just woke up i tried to play some guitar so come on all right well we're gonna have to wrap this show up it's gonna be a short episode thank you for listening um wait a minute hold on is paul did you want to say anything do your goo goo gagas for them that was uh, Lithium by Brad Meldow and why I love that song so much is well just it's beautifully played it's just him on the piano he's a jazz pianist just him on the piano and I don't know that song just gives me utter joy pleasure uh makes my mind think a little bit you know the song when it starts off you can kind of hear you got the theme of the song whatever the motif is and then later on when he's doing that low stuff with the bass the song almost falls apart i think i've probably said this before about his stuff but it's still a song and it stays together but what you remember is the song i think starts to fill in in your head so you start to play the nirvana version lithium in your head while he starts well, at least I do, with what he's doing. And I love how he does the stuff with the bass notes. And then he's kind of like just playing around with the top notes. Um, but it's all in time. It's not a messy. But it's like structured messy. But that that's not really right. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's just awesome. You should listen to it again. That's off his um, live in Marcy... I forget the some Spanish city, some Spanish city. Anyways, Brad Meldell, um, Lithium Live, and he's got to do ten CD box set or ten concert box set that I'm thinking about getting because he does. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, she doesn't like that. But he has a version of Interstate Love Song by Stone Temple Pilots, which I am dying to hear. I cannot find it. Uh, yeah. All right, that's. All right, well we're gonna end this song here I'm, or end this episode. A little more guitar playing here. And this is again with a digital delay pedal on. You know, with a delay you can sound like you're where the streets have no names, you too. Alright, that's not that great, but... Alright, anyways, thanks for listening, and uh... Sorry, uh, Anthony, I couldn't beat your uh, little birthday shindig.
All right, enough. Later. prcshow.tumblr.com. All of these episodes can be found at soundcloud.com slash prcshow. Your host is Paul Robert Cooley Jr. Technological consultant, sound design, host curation, and music production is also by Paul Robert Cooley. Emotional support brought to you by the roommates of Salvador and Kate G. Executive producers Josh Ferris, all labors donated. Thanks for listening. <laughs>